Welcome to the main experience. Welcome back, everyone, to the Main Experience Podcast. You are listening to Episode 9. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we are featuring a local Portland band named Snug House. Two of the founding members, Nick Hill and Alex, sat down with me at the Studio Portland for a fantastic conversation discussing how their band formed, their writing process, and what they love about the music scene here in Portland. Later, as part of the main music feature, I'm going to share with you a track Snug House recorded recently, a cover of the Peggy Lee classic, Fever. And finally, to send you off, we will feature a fresh main soundscape that I recorded just a few days ago on an afternoon hike at the Four River Sanctuary here in Portland. But first, here is my conversation with Snug House. Enjoy. All right, we are here again at the Studio Portland, and we are joined by members of the band Snug House. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you guys both introduce yourselves, your names, and what you do in Snug House? Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting us. I'm Nick Hill. Um, in Snug House, we all are songwriters. I'm one of the songwriters. A lot of us are singers. I'm one of the singers, and uh, I play keys and I play guitar. And I'm Alex, also singer, songwriter. Um, the only one who can play bass um, and sometimes guitar. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so you guys have a big tour coming up. Have you guys done a tour this sort of regionally in the Northeast before? Or is this the furthest you've gone from Maine before? Yeah, we do. Uh, this is not the furthest we've gone. Yeah. But it is the first time we're sort of doing a legitimate tour, if nice. that makes sense. Last time uh, we released our EP in November, and that time we sort of you know, worked around our jobs, had these like four weekends in a row where we went to a different place. And that was kind of more exhausting than you would expect it to be. Sure. I don't know if you like have any thoughts on that, but like, you know. It's like being on tour and having to go to work yeah. every Monday at the same time. <laughs> That's tough. So this time we're kind of taking, um, everyone's taking three weeks off work. Nice. And we're renting a trailer from U-Haul. Um, and we're, yeah, we're going as far south as D.C., and if I remember the numbers correctly, we have 15 shows in 22 days. Nice. I'm really excited. Any yeah. spots that you haven't been before that you're like stoked, stoked to go to? or um, We're going to Albany for the first time. Nice. Um, totally kind of, that one's totally just a crapshoot. We don't really know anyone there. <laughs> like, we don't really know the venue. We're just like, let's see what happens. Awesome. Um, we have a bunch of, uh, we're doing the Northampton, Massachusetts area. Are there any other new ones I'm missing? Uh, Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore's Baltimore. the one. Baltimore. Yeah. Nice. Um, and we've only played Philadelphia and DC once each before, so okay. time coming back. A lot of them feel new, and we're, you know, we're a young band in our yeah. in our uh, growth, and I think we're starting to get some nicer ticketed venues in some of the cities that are out sure. of town. So that's exciting in its own way. Yeah, awesome, very cool. All right, so that 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 leads great into let's get back to how Snug House formed. So. Let me hear a little bit like each one of your individual musical stories as far as when you started playing an instrument, when you started falling in love with music, and then uh, how did how did Snug House come together? You want to go first? Or? Uh, sure. Hey, let that part out when we decide every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have been playing music, I mean, probably since I was 11 or 12. 
I really wanted to take up the bass to start a rock band with my friend, and she told me I had to play bass. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a listener, I'm a people pleaser. So I got a bass. <laughs> I also started playing guitar on that time. I fell in love with it. The band went nowhere. The friendship fizzled out as it does <laughs> when you enter middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, but I started writing songs, performing in other bands. Um, I went to college and studied music and music education. Okay. To become a music teacher. Cool. Um, after college, I moved up to Maine. Okay. Just on a, on somewhat of a whim to get out of Connecticut, as most people do. Okay. Um, and yeah, sort of spent time either doing solo songwriting gigs or being a bass player in people's bands. Awesome. And that's what brought me here. Awesome. Very cool. How about um, you? Yeah, so I started playing music when I uh, took piano lessons at like the age of nine. And I was kind of one of those kids who would sort of just do what my parents made me do and not really, like I didn't ask any questions. I was like, sure, I'll do piano lessons. You weren't putting up a fight. Like, (laughs) I didn't even think to, I'm like, all right, this is what I'm doing now. And it took, I think it was around 12 or 13 where I really started to like engage with music on a new level. And like, that's when I started learning guitar. Mm -hmm. But sort of having those four or five years of like, the physical skills under my belt and the map to sort of explore stuff was really helpful. And I think, uh, um, since probably 13 or 14, I was pretty invested and wanted to do something with this. Um, in college, I didn't study music, but I sort of, that was the main thing that I did. I separated academics from this, but I, uh, uh, you know, I had a band, I did a lot of recording projects. Um, and Portland was sort of the logical next step. It seemed like a, up-and-coming city for arts and music and I really wanted to be here uh I'm trying to think of where do we start the snug house story Alex and I were actually the first two members of snug house okay of the current iteration so that's yeah, maybe co-founders a, a good yeah co-founders a good uh cross-section that you have today in that regard but we sort of had started this band you know I moved here and I was like I want to make a band so I got uh we had a mutual friend who was a drummer and he's like, oh, I know this bassist. We can play together. And we had like two keyboardists and like, so it was a nonsense. Everyone that we knew. Yeah, yeah. right. That's like, yeah, right. Um, and that band was, we had fun. Uh, it wasn't a little rough around the edges. And people sort of had to move away and stuff. And Alex and I were the only ones left. And that's when we found the people that we work with now. Okay. Who, um, and we sort of, the five of us, it was four first. Um, the four of us who met at an open mic, and then we had a fifth member join recently. Um, but we just sort of gelled a lot better vocally and as musicians and in like what we wanted, yeah. and that's been going really great. So what are their roles then, the other three members, or primary instruments then as well? So what's the, the sort of the form of the band? Um, so Rosie and Laura joined first as singers just because we had some very vocally driven arrangements and we wanted to keep playing them yeah um but they are also songwriters and guitarists themselves so as they've been in the band they've been contributing songs and playing more instruments that we can have yeah more fleshed out arrangements uh live and in the studio um and then sam who is a friend of nickel's uh recently graduated from Bowden, and we sort of had been scouting him and recruiting him, so he joined the band um, as soon as he could, and he's been playing electric violin 
as cool. sort of a, a textural instrument. He does a kind of Andrew Bird pedal board looping thing. Oh, that nice. is great. Oh, that, that adds another element, yeah. huh? Um, and he's also a wicked good keys player, and nice. I think a different instinct than Nickel. So to have two pianists that play differently gives us a lot of options on that instrument. Yeah, that's actually been really cool and dark. Yeah, Sam calls himself the texture guy, so <laughs> yeah. I should do him justice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point with the keys because I. I've always been like, oh, I sing and I play a song. And then when someone's like, I have a song, play something tasteful, I'm like, I don't <laughs> I'll like play the chord. I don't know. I sometimes struggle to do that. And Sam will come in and just just sit on top of arrangements really well. And, and he knows how to add the candy. Yeah, he, yeah he knows how to yeah, be very- Sweeten it up. Exactly, which I sometimes struggle with. So it's good to have him there. Um, yeah, but I just wanted to add with Rosie and Laura's instruments, we're now, we're sort of- piecing together arrangements with what we have as opposed to trying to find new musicians now so instead of a drummer we just bring a snare on stage yeah. nowadays and a kick drum and so like people play the snare people play the shaker so we we bounce around a lot i love it i love yeah. it that's very cool and with the style of music that it is it kind of suits itself because each song is a little bit different and it's thinned out arrangements so you can add simple percussion you know and totally. things like that yeah so that leads me into how would you guys describe the sound of snug house like when you sort of talk about the kind of music that you guys want to make and then is there any influences that you would say directly influenced the music you guys are making now i kind of um like when people ask me what kind of music we play i say indie folk or i say it's like folk inspired because vocal arrangements have kind of historically been the backbone of what we do and mm -hmm. that's i think the first thing that helped us stand out on stage was like oh they have these four-part vocal arrangements that are really locked in we're all singers and, and they're and they're beautiful they're you. beautiful arrangements too Thank absolutely you. um but i don't know if that's necessarily it's changing, you know? I mean, we, we hold on to that, but I think we're doing so much more now. Um, just, I, genre words are so tough to use. Um, I know, but I know. It's alt a, folk, indie folk. I know, um, it's such a terrible question, too. As, I, as I was writing it, I'm like, this is a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, that's a cliche, but it's important to be able to, if we can't describe what we do, then I don't know. You know, we well, should be able to describe what we do. It's interesting, because <laughs> I was I was listening to Water. That's your... Like la Water. Like Water. Yeah. Like Water. I was listening to that today, and... The, it, there's a pop element to what you guys are doing that's fantastic. I mean, the songs really are catchy, um, and I love it. You know, I love it. So it, were you guys kind of going for that? I mean, without knowing it, you guys know how to write a, a good hook. So do you. You, do, you, do you recognize that's, that? As, can I take the first yeah, little yeah. thought on this one? Um, is that Yeah, that actually – that – album was kind of conceived and written in a very in sort of the in-between space that Alex and I were talking about okay. when we had just started playing with Rosie and Laura and this um uh the Halo actually reached out to us and we're like hey we'd love for you guys to come in um so I was I was kind of in a place where like I just want to do this regardless of whether this band becomes a thing or not yeah so that's why I kind of ended up being like an album where I sing all the songs which isn't and it and it sort of was I wasn't we weren't really thinking about what do we sound like live and let's record that. We were just like, let's make four songs. Uh, and that's kind of what we did. And I don't think that's what we plan to do moving forward. Mm. I think uh, we've become much more like everyone is contributing a really powerful element. Um, and we do all listen to pop music. We like pop music. We will hold, hold on to that, but maybe a little less uh, intensely as that EP was. Okay, you gotcha. Know? All right. That being mm. said, I do think that we sort of, when we were in the studio, like – 
being a younger band, getting to go to the Halo yeah. and know, and knowing its history and its potential, it was really cool to sort of let that be a limitless experience. Yeah. And be like, so yeah, so like, let's make the record as its own thing. We'll figure out how to play these songs, if any of them live, as a completely different project. Yeah. Um, and actually a project that took maybe longer than writing the songs in the first place was, yeah. well, geez, we don't have four synths and a drummer on stage. <laughs> right. Um, so did those songs then have to sort of, they had to become reimagined then, mm-hmm. uh, sort totally. of new versions then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we're actually, uh, we just finished uh, recording our live arrangements, which is something we plan to release sometime cool. soon-ish. Um, yeah, just because they ended up being so different yeah. with those, so we, we just sort of felt like people should hear recordings of these too. Yeah. yeah, and when people come to the shows, they are now, even though they have the first EP, they're hearing the live versions and then they might want to hear those sure. at home as well. And it's cool to show the contrast and Absolutely. show all sides of us. I also think that when we were making Like Water, we were and are still at the point where we're definitely trying to streamline our sound and find the brand that will endure in the world, but we're also just collecting experiences. Yeah. And like, oh, we're going to go to this really hi-fi studio and play with all the toys. We're going to play as many shows as we can. We're going to figure out how many ways we can reimagine these songs with different combinations of people and instruments. Yeah. Um, And that's been really fun and energizing to not feel locked down by the song must be a certain way because... With the way we recorded them, that would be impossible. So we have to be <laughs> yeah. a little more open-minded about it. Well, and each um, each recording experience influences the next, right? It's mm-hmm. like just like every song you write probably influences the next too. You know? Yeah, it's so, an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I haven't thought about it that way. Um, that leads me into the writing process, which you kind of elaborated uh-huh. on. That's changing a little bit. And it's becoming a little more collaborative. Can you go into a little more detail about how songs do come to life within your group? Yeah, that's another thing that is changing so much right now um, in a really cool and exciting way. Um, It very much used to be, well, at the very beginning, it was like, hey, guys, I have this song. Here's all the parts. Play them. Um, And that kind of started to get old a little bit. Um, And then it sort of evolved into someone brings a song, and then I do the vocal arrangements, and then people would sort of start to put in pieces. And now we're hitting the point where with a few songs, we'll just totally just walk in with no ideas yeah and just play the song like actually it's a good i've been um i've been sort of healing from an injury so i haven't been at rehearsals for the past several weeks um but i just walked into a rehearsal the other day and they had just within an hour put together this whole new song that i'd never heard before and it was like this beautiful amazing arrangement and it's just sort of starting to happen really organically yeah it's it's been cool to have that experience and to uh to, to move away from it being, again, sort of being open-minded. Like, there's no way that we write songs. We're yeah. trying to figure out how many ways we can write songs. Some are easier than others. Um, we very deliberately tried to do the thing where you come into a room and start with nothing. We've tried to sort of have documents that collect lyrical ideas for songs. Um, some of them have potential. Some of them have sort of stuttered and, and faltered. But it's been cool to try and... It's been really interesting this past month um, with Nickel taking time off to recover. We had a bunch of gigs that we didn't want to cancel, and we sort of felt the pressure to figure out how we could do it without the person that has historically taken on a leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been fun. It's been a different energy, and then it's going to, I think, be really cool to 
add him back in. Nice. Like you, you just came to our, our most recent rehearsal just to check in, and you hopped in and sang on a song, and I was like, oh, yeah, we do need you. Like, this song does sound better <laughs> with you, funny. but it's been exciting. Yeah, I hope to... I don't get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, <either>. right. <laughs> yeah, there's some changes. Uh, but it's, it's going to be cool to then have you back in the fold now knowing what the rest of us are able uh-huh. able to contribute and learning what we can contribute in that way. Yeah. It's, it seems the most successful uh uh, angle of uh, collaboration has been in the arrangement side historically. Yeah. Like writing, we're still learning how to like conceive a new song as a group of people. But like, I think we're really gotten the, gotten the feel for someone has a song on a guitar and we just like make it something different. It sounds like a really healthy space of like no rules where it's like just everybody can be open and bring anything to the table and there's no rules. That's, that's great. You know, that's really cool. That's really yeah, cool trying to get it there yeah how about the recording and production how has that now probably the different studios that you've gone to have probably directly influenced that um have you guys sort of taken your own production roles historically have you guys recorded your own music before like most people do nowadays um can you talk a little bit about that or uh, yeah. yeah well i think sort of outside of and before snug house like i've been recording my own music you yeah. know sort of sort of since high school, like the first mixer that you buy and plug yeah. it into like audacity. Um, so I've sort of built my knowledge from that and wanting to make my own songs sound good. I imagine you've yeah, done a similar, a similar, thing. similar experience. Yeah. Um, we've never recorded our own material until this last, I just talked about, we were recording yeah. our live arrangements. We did that ourselves mostly. Um, and yeah, it's something I think I really enjoy doing. I think Alex really enjoys doing it and it's not, I'll, like if we're gonna release a Sears album, I'm never gonna be like, let's. I'll record it because I'm like, no, it won't sound that good. <laughs> but, um, but it's really fun. Yeah. I enjoy. That's like that's the part that's a hobby to yeah. me for me personally. How yeah. has um working with other producer or engineer types affected the the process? I mean, in a in a, a good or negative way. Not that you've had a negative experience, but how was that different um to working on your own? I think seeing a professional engineer's workflow and their train of thought and they will use words that we might not have heard before and then yeah. we go home and figure out what they're talking <laughs> about so we can start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Google. Yeah. Um, yeah, workflow is a good point. I think that was – there's obviously the learning. So we worked with uh, Jonathan Wyman. He okay. recorded Like Water. Um, and – you know, it's one thing to, like, obviously he's so good at listening and, like, coming up with pieces for arrangements and, like, really helping us flesh things out, which I personally have never had that experience. I've yeah. never had a producer who will be like, I like this arrangement, but try this. Yeah. It's always been, like, I know the pieces. And it was really refreshing and cool to have that happen. Um, the other thing, like Alex said about workflow, is it was it surprising to me how much of a, like, a people thing recording oh, is yeah. you know right. it's not just the science of where does the you know where does stuff plug into you know how do you use this compressor it's like yeah how like he can talk to people and he knows like all right if i start making this person do like five more takes it's gonna get worse so like let's stop it for now or like and and it just it surprised me how much that plays into the skill of being a really good engineer and producer it's a huge part of it yeah, yeah. well yeah. i think i mean at a certain point, there's a ceiling of like anyone can buy gear, anyone can learn the skills. The next tier the, of the, people that you want to work with are the sort of the psychology of, yeah. the, of 
counseling are like we're fragile creative people <laughs> exactly. we need someone who's on our side but smarter than us but and we know they're smarter than us but not in a condescending way so we <laughs> listen to them and we trust them and it's it must be exhausting um to have to make everyone you believe everyone you work with believe that their work is the your favorite thing that you've ever heard because he got, he convinced me of that and i was like it can't be true i don't think it's bad <laughs> But he made me think that he probably worked on a one better thing, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's so true. The um the ability to the technical things and the ability to make things sound good that's almost a given. Like you have to know how to do that. Period. Otherwise, you're not going to be in the business. Um, but the people side of it's huge. You have to be able to pull the best out of people, push them into places. Um, I had a uh, interview with a singer songwriter Jenny Van West, oh, yeah. um, and she was talking about how she had to, her producer, you know, like having to take her for a car ride, and you know, just <laughs> sort of like it's they push, they push, yeah. they push you. You know, that but, reminds me of a a thought Wyman had I think when I was picking his brain about like, oh, how do people usually get into mastering? You know, as opposed to mixing. He's like, oh, like in my experience, it's usually people who are engineers and just want to be done with people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they, like, That's get a in a small cabin, then I'm going to master yeah. your tracks and not talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's so true. It's so true. Um, all right, so let's talk about Maine a little bit, because you guys both mentioned that you came here. You said you're from Connecticut. Um, where are you from? A lot of places. A lot of places. Um, I grew up half in, in New Delhi, India, and half in California. Okay. Um, and I went to college in Bowdoin, so that's 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 kind of the only reason I wound up in Maine. Okay. I don't think I would have seeked it out, um, but I love that it happened. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, you said about it being a happening town art scene. You the same thing that mm-hmm. sort of was the allure of the of the Portland area. Definitely, and I don't really like big cities. Yeah. So being from Connecticut, like New Haven is sort of my benchmark and something that's a little smaller but very densely populated was really exciting and very much my speed. Yeah, you must like it here then because it's, <laughs> yeah. It's dense. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, I think there's there's so much to be said for having like a comfortable kind of rarefied environment to navigate in, especially with what we're doing, something like, you know, a cultural startup, as you might yeah. call it. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Because <laughs> um, in my mind, I was like, <clears throat> after college, I was, I want to move to a city and do music. Like, what are the options? It's New York. That sounds like a crazy, horrible time. <laughs> like, um, And it, it's just this, there's so much going on here, but it's not suffocating. And you can really start to connect with people very quickly yeah. without, you know, walking or climbing this artificial ladder so kind of elaborate a little bit more on that like what is the music scene like here um especially for you guys as a young band forming trying to find your way how has it been um i love it like i said um the way i've seen it in the past is that it's it's small enough it's sorry it's developed and big enough that there's really cool resources and people doing really really awesome things around here who are exciting to connect with and it's small enough that you don't have to jump through a bunch of like hula hoops to to reach those people you know you can connect with people pretty quickly and uh it's been a cool city to grow a following because it's kind of a community so your friends you have mutual friends with all your friends and like it it grows quickly so it's been really cool to see a lot of people at our shows here and it's been a nice place to grow that have you guys gotten a lot of support from other musicians in the area definitely i think it's been 
that's what's been really helpful is that it doesn't feel competitive. Nice. Um, I mean, there's definitely some some venues and some people we haven't played with yet that are just sort of on a, a different a different level. But personally, you could meet anyone in the music scene and they'd be happy to sit down with you, talk with you. Yeah, um, totally. And then, yeah, the people that we've been able to share shows with are very giving in their time and their energy um it's cool to go to people's shows and then to see other musicians at your shows yeah especially because when you spend all your nights and weekends at bars and at music venues like you don't want to do that on your night off from from your own shows so yeah it's really cool to see people showing up for each other that's awesome um what are some of your favorite places to go see music around maine i love so many of the venues we have here yeah um OLS is always like a given. It's yeah. just like a beautiful room. They book such like consistently great musicians and they have like such a not a genre but like a a niche in what they do. Um it's a pleasure to play there as well, obviously. Um I love Portland House Music. Yeah. It's such a it's such a great even if I like don't really know the band that's going on and I have like nothing going on Friday, I'm like, I'm gonna go get drunk and pee home. Like yeah. <laughs> see what happens. Like that's a lot of I mean, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I agree with those two things. Um I love going to blue as well. Uh-huh. I love that mm-hmm. there's awesome a room. lot of um there's a lot of venues where you can just show up and get a ticket at the door and you don't really know what's happening, but you know it'll be fun. Yeah. It's likely to be good. There's another, I, f- I feel like my problem is I don't explore northern Maine as much. I know yeah. you uh, take trips definitely more often than I do. There's, uh, what's that venue in, is that the Stone Barn in Brownfield? No, yeah. What's, yeah, that's one that I haven't been to, but like super have wanted to go. They book so many of my favorite musicians. I don't know why I haven't gone. <laughs> the Stone Barn or the Stone Church? Then there's there's a lot of stone barns around New England. Yeah, like, and they're all music stone venues. Barns. So I don't well, know. I don't, well, there's the stone barn <laughs> in Standish. Then there's the chocolate church in Bath. Ooh, the chocolate oh, no, the barn. Stone, the stone church is in New Hampshire. All right, yeah, <laughs> that's a geographical. There's something thing. in Brownfield, and it's very cool. And we're gonna look like idiots for not knowing what it's called. <laughs> that's that's the end of that <laughs> thought. <laughs> Um, moving like away from music, is there anything in Maine or places, this is a, these are questions I'm asking all my guests, like any spots that you've been that you love, a mountain or a hike or a kayaking spot, any, any go-to places? My first couple years here, I had developed what I like to call Alex's perfect Maine weekend. Aha, uh-huh, okay. Um, so that whenever I had a visitor, I knew exactly what to do. There was no extra planning. That is planning. so smart. <laughs> Since then, I've branched out and like found other things that I like to do. I mean, there's new restaurants opening every day, so plans change. But um, I love driving out to Bailey Island okay. um, off of Harpswell. Um, I lived in, and worked in Brunswick for a couple summers, and so that was like the closest fun nature-y thing to do. Um, I just really like the drive. I love that there's one road on an island and like yeah. just imagining what it's like to live out there year round and then you end up at this beach and there's a really cool gift shop. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. How about you, Nicole? Um, yo, I, I don't spend enough time <laughs> and doing he, stuff. A lot of my, so a lot of my family and friends are in Boston, so oftentimes when I have free time, I'll go down there. Yeah. Um, any uh any any uh restaurants in town that you like to? Ooh, that's a list. Yeah, yeah I know it's hard to pick um, one. And it's always this happens to me too when like a friend comes to visit, say let's do something, and I'll be like, I can't think of a single thing. <laughs> We're know. just gonna sit in my apartment. <laughs> um, and there's so many things. Uh, What's your go-to? Just... Like it's takeout. You're, you're like lazy. You don't feel like going anywhere. Someone may 
be delivering it to you. Actually, what's your guess that Thai Esson? Okay, awesome delivery. Not really. They have like one table at the restaurant. Um, but if you want good crispy chicken pad thai, order from there every time. Um, All right, I used to go to this place called Suzukiya, which I loved. R.I.P. Um, oh, I shouldn't actually. Um, no, that's that's sorry. respectful. Yeah, I, that I is got right... sad just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that used to be like right on my block where I okay. lived, and it was best ramen in town. Uh, that probably would have been my go-to answer, but now it's closed down. Um, yeah, the owner the owner had cancer and passed away. Oh, sad. Um, yeah, so it's so kind really... of a it was a bummer because it, it was a really great dude and a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sad. I live yeah. around the corner from the other best ramen place in town, um, Pai Men. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So I go there a lot for a lazy meal. Um, I still do have to like put on pants and shoes to get there, but <laughs> yeah, it's pretty right. effortless. It's hot soup, so yeah, that's nice. what I do when I don't want to cook. Nice. Um, any advice for aspiring young musicians or bands that are taking a crack at this modern music industry thing that you guys are doing right now? Any, yeah, I'd, any, I'd love to hear it. Any, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, what, I don't know. I mean, what are your what what's what's the experience like right now for you guys? Other than exciting and you guys are loving making music yeah. with your friends, but what are the any advice? You might my, my my first thought is is that it would kind of be a little presumptuous to be like this is how you succeed because <laughs> yeah, um, right. we are very far away from that and we're learning everything ourselves. Um the attitude that I think has helped me to at least get to where we are, which is somewhere, I think, um, is I think a lot of people, a lot of my peers at least that I've seen, like, kind of walk into it having grown up with music as a hobby and don't necessarily, you know, they know that, like, oh, I'm pursuing this, I have to take it seriously, but there's, like, a part in their brain that's like, oh, no, I can't spend this money, I was saving it for something else, or I can't do this. I don't know, there's, like, a wall for a lot of people, and I think... It's just like committing like everything you have to don't be afraid to like yeah throw throw stuff at this. Don't be afraid you know? to go all in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want it to be your job, you have to treat it like your job before you start getting any returns. Totally. And you may not get any returns, but that's cuz you know everyone's got passion, but I think yeah. that's what what sets people into that momentum. Um and then you'll like we've found like We've been investing time and effort and money, and then really great things are happening. Mm-hmm. And we're at the very, very, very beginning of the part where things happen out of the blue, where you're like, how did this person hear of us? Or yeah, how did we cool. get this show with this band? Um, and it feels like it's coming from nowhere, but it is those incremental steps of doing a lot of work that no one sees. Um, I also find that like creatively, if you've just sort of come to town and you want to meet the people that you want to spend your time making music with um just go to shows and talk to people everyone's really nice i try like any little bit of social power that i think i have i try to like spotlight other people that i think are doing awesome things um and i think that people that actually have social power are doing that too when they can so um yeah just meet people because we like to help it's awesome that uh, reminds me my other thought actually is that I think one thing that's helped us is that we didn't all quit our jobs too early. I think that's such a big thing of like people like just saying, oh, now I have to rely on this for income without having developed followings and like without having developed a way to make income from playing their own shows. So you end up 
taking a lot of shows that you don't want to take for money and then like oversaturating markets and then everything just like doesn't necessarily work as well. And I think obviously at some point you have to take the leap of faith. Yeah. Um which we're hopefully coming coming to at yeah. some some point. <laughs> um but yeah, I think not having to make decisions motivated by the money you'll make is so important because then you'll make the wrong decisions. Yeah. That's good advice in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate we have to worry about that money yeah. stuff. Because <laughs> it's been cool for us to like take opportunities that they're like, hey, we won't pay you. Yeah. I know play for the exposure is such a trope, but there are some times where that's seriously like a, a, a thing. Good, and if yeah. I had to say like, oh, we could play this huge show for no money or we could instead get paid $300 to play at this cafe where no one's listening – you know, we should totally do the the yeah. first thing. And if yeah. we're, but if we don't have jobs and we're like, we need the $300, <laughs> yeah. then you're in kind of a fix. Yeah. So that kind of leads me into my last question of um, where are you guys going from here? What is your like goals? What's the next big plateaus that you guys are trying to reach as a band? Millions. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to stop until I make my millions. Madison Square Garden <laughs> <laughs> next year. Uh, well, I think our first actual tour is exciting. I yeah. think that when people decide they want to play music seriously, the first fantasy is going on tour, getting in the van, yeah. playing shows. And even now that I have a more realistic view of it, I'm still excited just to do it, to see what it feels like. Um, I'm excited to make more music together in our new eras of of creativity and togetherness and then figuring out how to get a lot of people to like it. Totally. And I think we're right at the place where it feels like it go- well, we have the material for a full length and we're planning on, you know, it's in the over the horizon. Um, and it just feels like the right time to do it. Not too early. And we have a lot of people who are excited about it and listening and waiting for it. So that's, I think, the biggest next step is recording and releasing that. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me, guys. This was cool to learn a bit, a little bit about your process and how you guys have formed. Um, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, yeah. Great, to, great to yeah. be here. Yeah. I love, uh, I love your guys' sound. It's great. Like I said, you guys are great songwriters. Thank you. I think the sky's the limit for you guys. So I hope so. All yeah. over, the, you guys will be all over the Northeast over the next uh, little bit here. So that is the plan. Go, uh, go see Snug House. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Thanks again so much to Nikhil and Alex for chatting with me, and thanks so much to The Studio Portland for hosting us. Snug House is wrapping up their tour of the Northeast this week, so there's still a chance to catch them. Uh, Tuesday, July 30th at the Portsmouth Book and Bar in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Wednesday, July 31st at 1 Longfellow Square right here in Portland. Thursday, August 1st at Pauly's Hotel in Albany, New York. Saturday, August 3rd at True Brew Barista and Cafe in Concord, New Hampshire. And finally, Sunday, August 4th at St. Joseph's College of Maine in Standish, Maine. Find out more information on their website, snughouse.band. Check the show notes for a link. Now, as part of our main music feature... Here is Snug House with their cover of Peggy Lee's Fever. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care 
Kiss me fever when you hold me tight Fever in the morning Fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. You give me fever when you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight, fever. Snughouse with their hauntingly beautiful rendition of Fever. Make sure you check out their EP, Like Water, on Spotify. I know I am very much looking forward to what this band has in store for us in the future, so make sure you stay tuned. That's going to do it for Episode 9. Today I'm going to leave you with a main soundscape recorded at Jewel Falls, Portland's only natural waterfall. <laughs> 
which is just a small part of the 85-acre preserve that is the Four River Sanctuary, located just outside of downtown Portland. It's a great place to go for a hike with the dog and enjoy a beautiful summer afternoon here in Maine, which is exactly what I did just the other day. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Maine Experience. The Main Experience is produced by Audio Evolutions. Audio Evolutions is a small business run by me, Jason DeWald, and I would love to work with you on your next project. In the modern age of digital media, it is easier than ever for people to be creative, but poor audio quality can distract from all of your hard work and ruin your project. Let Audio Evolutions help evolve your sound to the next level. Offering services ranging from full-scale music production for your next album, podcast production to give you the professional sound you deserve, audio post-production for video, location sound recording for video shoots, and even voiceovers. Send an email to jason at audioevolutions.net and let me know how Audio Evolutions can help you evolve the way your world sounds.